My name's John Redmond, and I'm the associate pastor at First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. And I want to welcome you to Peace by Believing, and I want to wish you a very happy New Year's Day. I don't know how you feel about New Year's, but for me, it's always been one of my favorite days of the year. It's just there's something exciting about New Year's Day. It's like we get a fresh start, we get a brand new beginning. That's what New Year's Day is all about. And as I think about that, I think about a verse in the scriptures in Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 19 that talks about how God likes things that are new. In fact, the scripture says, Behold, I will do a new thing. And so as we begin this new year and as we celebrate New Year's Day, I think the first thing we all need to keep in mind is that God has something new in store for you this year. God is a God who likes new things. When we were saved, we became new creations. Uh, God, the Bible says, likes new songs. He gives us new hearts, and He wants to do new and exciting things in our lives. And so on today's program, what I wanted to do, instead of uh, playing a sermon that I had preached in the past, I wanted to just sit in the studio and share some things with you today uh, that I think will be a blessing to you. And maybe I'll say one or two things that you'll remember after this broadcast is over and you can apply it to your life. And maybe when this year is coming to an end, 11 or 12 months from now, you can look back on this New Year's Day broadcast and you can say, you know what? Uh, on New Year's Day, John said some things that helped me, that encouraged me, and helped me to start my year the right way. And so today, uh, whether you're in your home or whether you're in a car traveling, wherever you might be, what I want to do is to mention seven ways that you can begin the new year the right way. Seven ways that you can begin the new year the right way. Seven seem like the appropriate number. You know, it's the number of perfection. And uh, I love the number seven. It's the number in the Bible that represents God. And so I want to just list out seven things that all of us can do to help us have the best year possible. Number one, and this is so very important, let the past be the past. Let the past be the past. Now, the fact is we all have a past. We all have things in our past that we can look back on today. We have good things. We have bad things. We have spiritual things. We have sinful things. We have victories in our past, and we have defeats in our past. And so today, on New Year's Day, as we think about the future and moving forward, one of the things we have to be willing to do is to let go of the past. Some people are stuck in the past and in, in their mind, it's not even a bad thing because the past for them was many happy memories. It was many accomplishments. It was a lot of good things. There were a lot of good things that happened uh, in their past. And yet, as they dwell on those happy memories, even though those are all good things, somehow that prevents them from moving forward in the future and into the new things that God wants to do. And then certainly in our past, we have 
it's not all good. We all have sinned and fallen short of God's uh, will for our lives and God's uh, standard and God's plan for our lives. And so if we're not careful, as we begin this new year, we can carry all kinds of guilt and shame and regret into the new year. And all in the world that will do is to discourage us and to pull us down. And so if the future is going to be all that God wants it to be and all that we want it to be, we must be willing to let the past be the past. Now, one of my favorite scripture passages is in Philippians chapter 3, and the Apostle Paul was thinking about his own life and thinking about his own past. And Paul certainly had some things in his past that he was proud of, some accomplishments and some victories that he had experienced. He also had some sins in his past that he was ashamed of. Remember, before the Apostle Paul was saved, he went about persecuting Christians and doing everything he could to make their life uh, as miserable as possible. But in Philippians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul says this in verse number 13. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. Now think about this. The Apostle Paul, who is the greatest Christian who ever lived, he's got the Christian life down to one thing. One thing I do forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. And then in verse 14, he said, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And so Paul had reduced the Christian life uh, down to one thing. He said, I have to forget the past and reach forward to all that God has for me in the future. And so that's what we all have to do. We thank God for the victories that he has given us in the past, all the blessings, all the good things that we have experienced. We are thankful for those things. We don't hold on to them and live in the past, but we're nonetheless thankful. For the hard things that God has brought us through, we are certainly thankful for those things. And we're so appreciative to God for bringing us through. For the sins that we've committed in the past that we would give anything had we never committed things we've done, things we've said, places we've been. If we could turn the clock back and undo that, we would do it. But life doesn't work that way. We can't go back into the past. And so we have to trust God to forgive those sins. We have to trust the blood of Jesus Christ to wash those sins away, and we just have to let the past be the past. One of the things I've noticed in my life and in the lives of others is simply this. When we're living in the past, we're not able to fully engage in the present. In other words, it's kind of like we're not really living in the moment. We're there physically, but our mind is in another place. And so, one of the things that we have to do to live the life that God wants us to live is to learn to live in the moment, to live in the now, to live in the present, to experience the blessings of today. And in order to do that, we have to be willing to let the past be the past. And so, friend, if the thing that's preventing you from letting the past be the past is your guilt and shame over some sins you've committed, you've got to just remember that the blood of Jesus is greater and stronger than any sin you may have committed. And for you to continue to mope around, beat yourself up over sins that God has forgiven and forgotten is not only silly and unproductive, it's actually wrong to do that. And it's dishonoring to the blood of Jesus Christ. And so you actually honor the blood of Jesus by receiving 
uh, the full forgiveness that he offers and then by living and acting like a forgiven person should live. I think sometimes we want to show God that we are sincere and we are contrite and we do have regret for whatever we've done wrong and so we kind of owe it to God and owe it to ourselves to mope around and beat ourselves up. But actually that's very dishonoring to the blood of Jesus. We honor him much more when we just receive his forgiveness and live like the forgiven children of God. I think about David. He had committed some pretty bad sins. David was guilty of adultery and murder. And for a a season of time in David's life, he refused to deal with those sins. He refused to acknowledge and confess those sins and turn from those sins. And after a period of time, the convicting power of God's Spirit came upon David's life, and he Finally, and we read about it in Psalm 51, he confessed those sins to God, begged for God's mercy and forgiveness, and God forgave him. And then David wrote another psalm sometime after that, Psalm 32. And in that psalm, David said, Blessed is the man whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. And David had come to experience the joy and the freedom and the peace that we should all experience when God has truly forgiven and forgotten our sins. And so don't think you're being flippant. Don't think you're being disrespectful to God as we begin this new year to no longer beat yourself up or condemn yourself over your past sins. Actually, just the opposite. You are honoring the blood of Jesus. You're making God proud and making God pleased by living like his word is true, which we know it is, and that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. And so the first thing we have to do to have a, uh, and a good year to begin the new year the right way is to let the past be the past. Now, the second thing we have to do is, is equally important. And I've just said it like this. Learn to view problems as opportunities. Learn to view problems as opportunities. Now, the fact is, we all have problems. Uh, Just like we all have a past, we all have problems. And the reality is, we're going to have problems in life as long as we live on this earth because we live in an imperfect, fallen world with uh, other flawed people. We're not the only ones who are guilty of sin. So is everybody else. And so, That creates all kind of problems in our relationships. In fact, in the book of Job and in chapter 14, and in the first verse of that chapter, uh, the Bible says this, Man who is born of woman is of few days and full of trouble. And so there it is right there. Man who is born of woman is of few days and full of trouble. And so if you came into this earth, Uh, Through a woman, if you had a mother who gave you birth, and we all did, we're going to have trouble. Now, if you got here some other way, maybe you're exempt. But the fact is, none of us got here any other way. So what the Bible is saying, as we go through our lives down here, there are going to be times when we have difficulties and troubles and heartache and pain. In fact, Jesus said in the Gospel of John, chapter 16 and verse 33, in this life, in this world, you will have troubles. It's just part of it. And some of you listening today know uh, very well how true that is. There are some listening today who have physical problems. Maybe you've been diagnosed with cancer or some heart disease or some very serious debilitating illness, and you're, you're facing that at the beginning of this year. Others listening today have relational problems. Maybe your spouse has said to you that he or she no longer wants to be married, and that kind of caught you off guard, and you're trying to figure out how to navigate through these waters, and so there are 
there's that situation. Others listening, and you say, well, thank the Lord it's not that bad, but there's still relationship problems maybe in your life at work or with other family members. And, you know, some people are just not easy to love. I, some people are very easy to love. I was home not long ago, and my doorbell rang, and I went to the door. It was my next-door neighbor, and she knew that uh, my very favorite cookie in the world is oatmeal and raisin cookies, and so she had made me a big batch of those cookies. She made her husband a batch, and then she made me a batch, and she walked next door and gave me my batch, and I just gave her a big hug and told her how much I appreciated those cookies and went in and started eating them as fast as I could. Now, think about this. In my life, that lady is not difficult to love. She's very easy to love. I mean, somebody comes to your house and brings you cookies. You don't have to try to love them. But the fact is, not everybody in our lives is quite that easy to love. Not everybody in life is knocking on our door and bringing us cookies. Some people are criticizing us, undermining us, talking about us, scheming against us, trying to destroy our lives, trying to damage our ministry, trying to hurt our reputation, working behind our back, gossiping against us, slandering against us, doing all manner of things. And those are the people sometimes that we have difficulty loving. But I'm reminded of what Jesus said. He said, if you only love people who love you and who do good to you, that's really no major accomplishment. I mean, anybody can do that. Jesus said even the heathen live like that. But it is the person in your life who is difficult to love, who is rude to you, who is inconsiderate, who is unkind. That's the person that you have to really work hard to love because uh, that takes a little bit extra. Rick Warren says there are some people who are EGR people, and EGR stands for Extra Grace Required. And you probably have some people in your life who require a little bit of extra grace. And the fact is, there are probably some people in all of our lives who look at us. There are probably some people who look at me and say, I tell you, that John Redmond, he is an EGR person. I need some extra grace to be able to uh, deal with him because that extra grace is what's required. But some of you today are having relationship problems, and I know how difficult that can be. Others listening, for you, it's not so much a relationship problem, but it's a vocational problem. Maybe you've just lost your job. Maybe your pay's been cut in half. Maybe you're just... Uh, you know, some kind of vocational or work-related problem. Now it's causing all kind of financial problems in your life, and that puts a real stress on you. And so, just like the Scripture says, man who is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble, and we all experience those troubles from time to time in our life. Now, if you'll think about it, you have an opportunity within that problem to honor God in a way that you wouldn't be able to honor him if you didn't have that problem. In other words, that problem, if you'll look at it in the right way, is kind of a catalyst for you to honor God. I'm reminded of a story in the Gospel of John chapter 11 where one of Jesus' friends died. The man's name was Lazarus. In fact, before he died, he got sick, and uh, his sister sent word to Jesus, who was in another location, they said, tell the Lord that uh, Lazarus is sick and would he please come to heal his body before he dies? Well, Jesus chose to stay in the place where he was for a little bit longer before he went to where Lazarus was. And by the time Jesus got there, Lazarus had actually died. Things had gone from bad to worse. And uh, Jesus used that as an opportunity to bring 
Lazarus from death to life. And so had he healed him when he was sick, that would have been a miracle. But Jesus chose to perform an even greater miracle. He chose to bring him back to life after he had died. But in the midst of this conversation that Jesus was having with these people, it says in John chapter 11 and verse 4, Jesus, he said these words, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. And so Jesus was saying, this sickness that Lazarus has, you're looking at it and you're thinking, he's going to die and this is going to be the end of the story. But what I see in this problem is an opportunity to bring glory to my Father in heaven. They didn't know what he was going to do, but Jesus knew that after Lazarus died, he was going to bring him back to life again. But the the point I'm making and the principle that the scripture is teaching is that sometimes we have a problem, a physical problem, a relational problem, vocational problem, a financial problem, and we think, man, this problem is horrible. This problem is going to be the end of me. But God looks at that problem and God in essence says to us, this problem's not going to be the end of you. This is not the end of the journey. This problem is not unto death. This sickness is not unto death. But for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified uh, through it. And so you have an opportunity with your problem, whatever your problem is, to honor God in a way that you could never honor him if you didn't have that problem. Somebody said one time, when I was going through a serious problem in my life, some of the best advice I ever received, this gentleman said to me, in your right response, God is glorified. In your right response, God is glorified. And so it is true in life, we can't always control what happens, what things that go on, in our bodies, in our relationships, in our jobs, with our finances. There are so many things that are out of our control, but we can control how we respond. And if we respond properly, God will be glorified. But just remember what I'm saying today, that if you will view your problems as opportunities, you will bring great honor and glory to God. And so, what have we said so far? As we begin the new year, first of all, we have to let the past be the past. Second, we have to learn to view our problems as opportunities. And then the third thing I would say, try to live a healthy, balanced life. Try to live a healthy, balanced life. You know, the pace that we all live at, I don't think is of God. I think so many of us are going so fast trying to be here, then there, and to fulfill this commitment and this responsibility, that we really put our own health and even our mental well-being and sometimes our spiritual well-being uh, at risk. And so one of the things that I'm trying to do as I begin a new year, and I'm encouraging you to do, is to try to live a healthy and balanced life. Now, the three things that always come to my mind when I think about li living a, a healthy life and a more balanced life, diet, exercise, and rest. Diet, exercise, and rest. And so I'm, now I'm not a nutritionist, and I'm not going to start telling you or playing like I know all the foods that you should eat. But I have enough common sense to know that all of us should eat more fruits and vegetables. We should eat more chicken and fish. We should eat food that has life. Think about this. When you put food in your body that has life, all that is doing is strengthening your life. But when you just live on processed and packaged foods, that food doesn't really have any life in it. 
And so I'm not saying you're putting death into your body, but I am saying you're putting things into your body that doesn't have life. And over the long haul, that can't be good for you. Now, I've just gotten finished telling you how I like to eat oatmeal and raisin cookies. And so I'm not holding myself up here as an example of perfect eating because I'm not that. But at the beginning of the new year, I'm going to try to do better. I'm going to try to get my fruits and vegetables in and try to eat that uh, chicken and fish and a little red meat, but not too much of that. So you just look at your diet and do the best you can, about all I can say on that. And then exercise. You know, the Bible says that our bodies are the temple of God. And so we need a little exercise every day, whether that's walking. I have a treadmill at my home. I'll try to walk on it six days a week. Don't always do it, but that's my goal. I like to go to the gym two or three times a week and just exercise a little bit with some weights. I find that when I exercise, not only is it good for my body, but it is good for my mind. I can air my mind out when I'm exercising. I have clear thoughts when I'm exercising. Get away from the office. Get away from work responsibilities. God seems to be able to speak more clearly to me, or at least I hear him more clearly. And so I would encourage you uh, each day or at least six days a week, try to get a little exercise and then sleep. Uh, somebody said a long time ago, early to bed, early to rise makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. I don't know if it really makes you wealthy and wise, but I think common sense would say it does make us more healthy if we get a good seven or eight hours sleep a night. And one thing I'm trying to do in my life is to go to bed earlier. I'm a night owl. I developed some bad sleeping habits when I was in college and then in seminary where I stayed up late studying and uh, I don't know. And that's been a long, I've been out of school for a long time. I should have gotten this straightened out before now. But I'm trying to go to bed earlier so that I can be more rested when I wake up in the morning. And so maybe you don't need seven or eight hours. Maybe you can make it on five or six. But I encourage you to shoot for that seven or even that eight hours. I think the studies are out there that says the more sleep we get, uh, there are all kind of health benefits. And then if we don't get enough sleep, we put ourselves at risk for things like diabetes, obesity, and other health problems. And so try to be disciplined at night, turn that television off, and then go to bed. Something else I think if we're going to try to live a healthy and balanced life, we just can't overcommit ourselves. We can't go to every event. We can't go to every party or to every dinner or for somebody like me, I can't speak at everything maybe that I'm even asked to speak at. Nobody can do everything. Sometimes we just have to learn to say no. And we have to have set times when we're going to be at home with our family or if you live alone where you're just going to be at home by yourself, just resting your body and uh, resting your mind. Maybe you're reading. Maybe you're watching a ball game or the news or some good program on television, but you're just kind of decompressing and you're trying to live a more healthy and a more balanced life. Now, at the beginning of this broadcast, I said that I wanted to give you seven ways to begin your new year the right way. And the same thing has happened to me in this recording studio that happens to me when I preach, and that is the clock is ticking away and I'm about to run out of time. And so what we're going to do next week is pick up where we left off and I want, I'm going to try my best to give you the next four things. I've only given you three things today, so we'll just devote two broadcasts to uh, having a, a good beginning to the new year. And But just what I've said today, let the past be the past. Learn to view problems as opportunities. Try your best to live a healthy and balanced life. And friend, I would say to you, if you have never received Jesus Christ into your heart to be your Lord and to be your Savior, I cannot imagine a better day than New Year's Day 
to receive him and be saved. You talk about a new beginning. Not only do you get a new year, you get a new life. You have Jesus coming to live in you. If you'll just pray this prayer, the Bible says, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Would you pray this now? Say, dear Jesus, come into my heart, forgive my sins, and make me a Christian. I ask you to save me, and I trust you to do it. Welcome to my heart. Begin now to make me the person that you want me to be. In your name I pray, amen. Friend, if you prayed that prayer, God heard you, God has answered you, God has saved you, and God's given you a new heart and a new life and a new beginning. And so I hope you and everybody else listening today has the best New Year's Day you've ever had. Peace by Believing is an extension of the ministry of First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. If you would like to grow in your relationship with God, we have several booklets online for you to read or download. To find them, go to our website, peacebybelieving.org, click on the Spiritual Growth tab, and scroll down to the booklet section. If the ministry of Peace by Believing has been a blessing to you, please email us at info at peacebybelieving.org. We pray that you have a blessed week.